Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guides podcast with your host, Mark Chatterton. Today, I would like to welcome to the show Terry Edwards, who is the author of two books. One is Consciousness in a Virtual Reality Holographic Universe, which is a metaphysical book, and the other is called Missing Time, which is a novel. Terry was psychic as a child and trained as a healer and medium as a young man. After graduating with a degree in physics in 1972, he then went on to gain a Master of Science degree in 1978. He worked in several jobs connected with science and computing before finishing his working life in the Institute of Mathematics and its applications. He now writes and gives talks and interviews about the connection between science and the metaphysical world. So welcome, Terry. Thank you. Right, let's start the ball rolling. Um, you, you trained as a healer and a medium when you were younger, but eventually stopped doing this. What, what was the reason for that? Uh, life got in the way. Uh, that was one reason, was that I got married the first time around that then. And just as I was sort of starting to get established, uh, the, the other reason, um, which is probably the more important one, was that it, I, I found that sometimes it just didn't work. There were occasions I worked on a, on a platform in uh, spiritualist churches. And what happened was I would be giving messages to people. And sometimes it worked splendidly. That, you know, I could get information and pass it on. Other occasions, I got virtually nothing. I didn't seem to be able to make a connection with them. Uh, and, and you've got to be consistent if you're going to do that sort of work. So that um, I was okay at giving the, the what they call the address, a, a little inspiring talk. But I found it very difficult to, to keep the clairvoyance flowing on, on a bad night. So basically, I decided it was getting too stressful. So that was the end of that. Okay. Um, would you say you're psychic nowadays? Uh, I am in a different way. Uh, I've always had it, uh, moments of all sorts of experiences throughout my life, and I, I've drawn on these in, in the book, really. But I, it, it stopped being messages coming through for people. And it, in 1992... A series of incidents occurred that, that led me into a higher state of consciousness, which was a bit hard work at, at first, but I found I was getting insights about the way the universe works uh, and the, the metaphysics of, of existence. And what eventually, the, where it was taking me some days to get information, you know, I would get an insight and then gradually it would unfold as my brain reorganized itself. I got to the point where I, I could get the information just by thinking about it. And that's what I've used in the writing, um, the, the two books you referred to. They, they both uh, draw heavily on my experience and the insights I got from it. Okay. Um, I would guess that as a mathematician, numbers have always played an important role in your life. How would you see numbers as being part of the universe? Well, well first, I must qualify that. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician. Uh, and when I worked at the Institute of Mathematics, I, I was working uh, as an administrator. So, so I've never been a mathematician. Uh, I studied physics uh, and got on well with physics generally. 
but I was limited by my lack of mathematical ability. I, I didn't seem to be able to have the insights that mathematicians have. But later in life, when I started to get into these ideas, I was getting a lot, a lot of information about the way numbers play a, a key role in, in the, the structure of the universe. Uh, and the, the reason that that happened was that I'd taken a course in something called uh, entity modeling in relation to systems analysis. This isn't a, a mathematical technique, it was a business technique. Uh, systems analysis is a, is a way of analyzing a business and then converting it into a series of routines that become a computer program to enable a business to function. Now, one of the key ideas behind it is, is called entity modeling. And, and this is the way you hierarchically organize information. Uh, now, it, it occurred to me that the, the universe is made of quantum digital information. So the universe must have some way of organizing its information. Now, this isn't something I've ever heard of physicists using or thinking about because they don't know about entity modeling. It, it, it belongs into an, in another department. But, but there are, uh, it, it's a system where you, you can allocate um, a priority. So for example, in, in the sequence of creation of the universe in the moment, the sun would be the center of, of our solar system, uh, and the sun would have its place in the galaxy, and then the planets would become subservient to the sun, so the sun owns the planets, and then the, the planets own any moons they have, and, they, and the whole system of each world would own the, uh, all life forms and all things that are upon it. Now, when I say own, I don't mean own in, in the sense we, we mean it in an economic sense. I mean own in a data sense. So data belongs to systems, and systems are always hierarchical. So this, I realized from this, I had key insights into how the universe organizes its information. And the key to it all is the number one because the num numbers form the, the basis of all consciousness because numbers have value and meaning. So it's the, and, and the, so for example, the number one is the key and the number one has a value of one, but it has the meaning of oneness. And oneness, I believe is, is love. So every entity that exists in the universe, when I say entity, I mean some object or animal or person or, or thing or planet that has its own existence, is given that existence by the number one. And uh, all things go into separation into what we call shadow, which is the void. Uh, and the purpose of exist conscious existence is to bring all of the parts back into a cohesive unified whole. Uh, that, that is the process that we are going through as individuals in the course of our existence on this planet. Yes, you mentioned uh, systems there, which you discuss in both, both your books. Could you explain to those watching now what, what you mean by systems very briefly? Thanks. Basically, I, I mean any, anything that is organised, really, and... Um, I'm thinking in particular on Earth about the systems that, 
that human beings have created and organized uh, you know you any time if you set up a club to do something it becomes a system it has a hierarchical structure um, a, a chairman a committee a secretary all the usual things so it has a physical component any buildings it has any members it has any customers it has these are all the physical elements but in universal consciousness all systems have a, a kind of rudimentary consciousness of their own they're not self-aware in the way that we are but they are nevertheless they are autocratic systems that, that have a purpose and a function uh, and their, their, their function really is to survive and to adapt so you can get um, you know create a system and if, if it, an organization and if at some point you decide to try and close it down or change what it's doing in a way that's unacceptable to the future of the system the system will get rid of you so what I'm saying is that we as human beings serve all these systems we've created without realizing that they run us they run the planet and they organize us in a way that, that is to our detriment. It is not good for us to be controlled by systems in the fond belief that we really control them because we don't. And, and so, I mean, nobody would organize a planet with nuclear weapons and armies and wars, uh, famine uh, and poverty and all the things that, that are here. Uh, no one in their right minds would, would set out to achieve that. But the systems we've created ensure that this is the world we're living in. And until we reclaim control of the systems and understand what it is they do and why they do it, we are doomed to be pawns in a great big game. Right, that's very interesting. We'll move on to your, your second book, the novel Missing Time, which was published late last year. Could you tell us a little bit about that? about the book and what, what happens in the book, perhaps, thanks. Um, yes, it's, it's a story that evolved. My style of writing is stream of consciousness. Uh, and I originally started a novel around about 1968, uh, and it was called The Mandroid. And I finished it at that time, and I tried to get it published, but, but I couldn't. And... Um, the Mandroid then took on a new life of its own in the 70s. It became, uh, I met somebody in a pop group called the Rubettes, the, the uh, drummer, John Richardson. Uh, he asked to read my book. He took it to the band and uh, they decided that it would make a subject for a, a rock opera or a musical, whatever you want to call it. So they paired me with an Icelandic musician and we, we wrote a series of 22 songs based on the, the, the first novel and the first story. And what that did is concentrate the story down to the essential components, because it was a very long and rambling novel by a very young, inexperienced writer. Uh, I was a teenager when I started it. So on the basis of that, I had this story in this condensed form. And after various attempts to pick it off into a new version. Uh, I started in 2008 and the book I wrote then was what was to become Missing Time. It is basically 
the series of events that happen after the Mandroid story and a prequel explaining how it all began in, in the first place for the characters. And that, that um, book became so big that it, there wasn't room to put the whole Mandroid story in it. it. It was a volume in its own right. So missing time, is the, the period of, of missing time is in, is in the main character. His name is Roger Crandall. And he's about 30, living in South London, doesn't know what happened during his period in America. And he's uh, having a hard time on the dole, or on benefits, as we call it now, shows my age. And um, the, 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 what happens is that there's an android robot following him around who's identical to him because people mistake the two of them. But the, the, the android has got so many abilities that he hasn't got. Uh, and it's a long story, but it, 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 what I've tried to portray is the way that the universe works for humanity and what could possibly happen to cause us to evolve if we can get out of the state we're in. And it ends on the concept of the new earth if you've heard of the new earth, it's, it's the idea that w the earth will become a much more pleasant and uh, a better planet, uh, possibly in another space and time, or maybe just an adaption of the one that's the timeline that we're in now. Nobody really knows when, if, or, or how this will happen, but that's what the story goes to. And the original story, that the Mandroid, which is will be the subject of, of the next volume, um, is condensed in the form of the original song lyrics. They're at the back of Missing Time, so that if people want to know what happened during that period, before the, the other book comes out, it will give them an idea of, of what happened. So I've tried to make the whole novel, Missing Time, a complete entity. And, uh, it, you know, I, I've because I write in a way where I, I don't plan them, they just happen, and I'm quite surprised by what, what develops, it makes it more interesting, I think. It, I, I don't think anybody could, reading it, would be, predict the ending. Plus, I've brought in humour uh, where I can, because I think it's important, if, if you can, put in, make it a bit funny, and hopefully entertaining, but educating people while, while, it, uh, while they enjoy it, I hope. So, um, obviously, it, it, it took more or less 40 years or so to get it all together and, and finally get the, the book written. Um, yes. When you did actually complete it, or what, what was your objective in writing the book, would you say? Um, yes, it's, this really goes back to my youth. Um, I, because I was introduced to the concept of, of, the, of spirits, uh, spirit communication and karma, uh, the laws of cause and effect, I, I wanted to put over uh, a story that would explain to people how all this works without laboring it, without making it just an, yet another treatise on the subject. So the idea of the story is, is that it, it portrays in a very kind of graphical way uh, how the things that we do come back to us and and they it, they do so not not to reward for reward and punishment but to educate us 
it's for our personal evolution that everything that we do is uh, kind of recorded in the universe. And because we're living in, if you like, a giant game machine of incredible complexity, you have to look at the way game uh, designers work who create the online video games or computer games because the, the principles are the same. Uh, and the, the, the universal game has um, a set of rules which decide outcomes from the things that happen. And the, the, that set of rules is called karma. It's just a, a Sanskrit word that means action. Uh, and, and that's literally what karma is. It is that for every action we take, there is a consequence. And if we do positive, uh, harmonious actions, then we get similar results eventually. And, but if we are selfish, self-centered, or go against people, or try to get the better of other people, uh, we, we learn the hard way. Um, but this is the missing link at the moment because there, there are a lot of people in the world who are doing things to the to not for the benefit of all. They're just making themselves more and more wealthy or more powerful. Uh, and they don't realize the, the trap that they're, they're making for themselves. So that's, that was the purpose in writing the story, to put these ideas over in a way that will make people think. Um, coming to the events that are happening at the moment with the coronavirus, would you see uh, that there's karma in, in anything that's happening that, with that at all? Yes, and uh, with all these kind of situations, karma is involved in everything that, that we do. Now, that works two ways. There is the karma that, that the people on the wrong end of the uh, systems are, are suffering. This, this may be a rebalancing for them for things that, that from their past. Uh, but it also, uh, karma is working to people, the people who are doing things a lot of people, I mean, you take the people in the medical profession who are doing their best to help people, uh, you know, they are, they are obviously uh, going to, to benefit from the work they're doing for other people. Uh, and, and it's good for everybody. But there are other people who are uh, profiting from these things uh, who, who may be um, you know, and not very <laughs> helpful to other people. Um, they're, they're just going to make the situation worse. But what, the way it works is the universe offers, offers us opportunities to do things and gives us situations to fulfill some purpose for the universe's benefit. Now, it will get people to, to do these things either by some, perhaps some sort of coercion or pressure from other people or sometimes it is because we are we have the desires that nature has given us, and to fulfil those desires, we take advantage of these of the things that happen and these opportunities. And um, it, but it doesn't matter in the end. There is no good and evil. It's all learning, and and it's the way that that things work is because the the principle of oneness or love and the, the ruling actions and creativity of the number one, which is behind everything. Uh, it, it's there is, the opposites, the negative, the you know, evil doesn't really exist. 
except in the sense that it is not love. I don't mean to say it isn't a real thing when you're surrounded by it here, but it, it is an, you know, they say an illusion, but let's say it's a representation of, of a greater reality. And that, so it, the, um, the coronavirus is just a, an example of something that, that may have been engineered to some extent, because that's what some people are saying, or it may not be. Whatever the reason for it is, the important thing is that it is happening. It, the society is changing as a result of it. And even if it's only temporary, we are uh, having to face up to a life in a less material state of existence. Uh, now, what the outcome of that will be, what the re end result is, I don't know. But I do believe that we are all on the path of, um, you could call it ascension or evolution, any words that you like, but we are making progress. And at the same time, there are forces at work on the planet who don't want that progress to be made because it, you know, it, it, it's, it can be bad for profits. People become enlightened. Yes, because there seems to be a lot about money going on at the moment with, through all this and lots of people have lost their jobs, lots of people are in debt and, and so on. And and they need the money to pay for all these um, things for the National Health Service. So would you say that money is part of the, the karma as well? Yes, there are, there are two uh, principal reasons, really, for the materialistic state of life we, we are in. Uh, one is money. I'm not saying money is evil in itself, but um, it, it, there's a process behind it, um, called fractional reserve banking, which means that money is created out of thin air when people get into debt. So uh, and the more debt that we, uh, the, the average people on the planet get into, the wealthier it makes the, the, the people who run the world and you know the, the banks and, and whatever, the, the multinational corporations, so for them, it's a win-win situation because the, the more they can destroy the small businesses and shops and, and the, you know, the communities, the greater the international money systems and the, you know, the big, huge companies will, will gain. You know, they, they're looking to gain from it. Of course, what, what it's doing is creating a climate of fear. And uh, this, this is what we as individuals on planet earth have got to come to terms with and overcome and the other factor that i think is is the misplaced idea that is common in in human society is the idea of status because once people uh, say that that they are more important than other people you know people who who have uh, heads of companies or royals or prime ministers, whoever it is, uh, we see it in, even down to the smallest organisation, somebody's in charge. We, we accept that because that's the way it's always been. There's nothing wrong with that in itself, but it is when people believe that they are superior to others and, and they create the idea in others that they are inferior, this is all nonsense because the universal consciousness it, it is there is just one consciousness behind the universe there you know there's only one state of being 
we all belong to it. And, and the only diff there is no difference between people in, in, because what we really are is the formless, the spirit. Uh, you know, just a, really an idea. The physical form is only a manifestation of, of mater matter, material. And, and that, so to see when people look down on others for their beliefs or their color or, or their well, anything, their shape, uh, whatever reason, or their gender, whatever reason people have for putting other people down, uh, that they are limiting themselves uh, and they will fail to benefit from the spiritual evolution that the planet is going to go through. And I've tried to put all this in the story. I've tried to show uh, the nonsense of believing that you're better than somebody else because of some physical factor or wealth or power or anything. Uh, and I, th I think those, those twin factors, money, status, we've got to get away from that. This, the world, this world doesn't, we don't need as a society, we don't need ruling, we need organizing. And that, that's a very different thing. Right, that's very interesting what you were saying there. I noticed that you decided to publish your novel Missing Time yourself, rather going through a commercial publisher. What was your thinking behind this decision? I knew when I was writing it that the story was is so way out, um, so different from, from anything that anybody else I've ever come across has, has written. I'm not saying it is unique or totally different, but it is to me. I don't know of anybody who's written a book quite like this, um, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but I hope it is. Um, so I thought any publisher would want me to rewrite it. Um, a cousin of mine uh, published a book about her experiences as a missionary in, uh, and working in somewhere like uh, Afghanistan during the times of, of their wars. And, and she was trying to do good for people with charities. And she put, submitted it to a publisher and that they, they, they were interested in publishing it, but they wanted some sex in it, which <laughs> wasn't that sort of story, you know, and, and this, is, this is the way they, they think. And they want to know if you submit a book, who are you like? Who do you write like? Who have you copied? This sort of thing. Because I haven't copied anybody. Uh, I can't even put the book in a, in a, gen, a genre because I can't think of a genre that, that completely fits the bill for it. So, so um, I thought the, the only way to get this out is to do it myself. So now we have the technology and the systems for self-publishing. That's, that's what I've done. Right. I understand you can get it on Amazon anyway as, a, as an e-book and also as a physical book. So could you just tell us yes. about how, how you get about buying, buying the book and your other book as well? Um, yes, uh, well, at Kindle, um, if you put in Terry Edwards and the, the title of the two books, um, Consciousness in a Holographic Virtual Reality Universe, which doesn't exactly, you know, flow perhaps, mm. but it, it's what it's about. Um, and or, the, or if you put Terry Edwards Missing Time or Missing Time Terry Edwards, it will come up and you'll see the red cover. Uh, so you can buy it as a paperback 
or as a Kindle. And of course you can play, sorry, you can read Kindle books on uh, smartphones and iPads and things like that. You don't have to have a Kindle reader. Um, so, so that's how it works basically. You can buy it online. Okay. But I've gone to a company called Ingram Spark and I'm publishing it through them. Uh, and I'm hoping that if people want to order it from booksellers, that they will go, that's, that's an organization that they can go to to buy copies. All right. So one final question as we tie, tie up this interview is, um, what, what's going to be next in your writing output then? Um, I'm in the process of adding something to the book on consciousness which you kindly published for me through Kindle. So I, I, there, there are some ideas I feel I could express um, that, that would be worth adding to it. So that I'm hoping that I can sort that out fairly quickly. Um, but then I want to actually get back and re rewrite the, the original Mandroid story the events that happened during the missing time. Uh, and I've already got four chapters of that uh, completed as a first draft. Uh, the way I work, I need lots of redrafting and editing to get the final finished version. Um, so, but I, I, I'm quite excited by the way that was so different from the original story and had some very interesting concepts coming out in it that, that I think would be entertaining um, but it's it's you know if it's taken me 11 years to get one volume out of a story that I've been working on for <laughs> 40 years <laughs> um, I'm not holding my breath but no. uh, uh, I hope to, to hope I have enough years left on this planet to complete it right well, that's a very interesting talk that you've, and interview that you've done with us, Terry. Thank you very much. And um, hopefully the Thank readers, will, uh, the listeners and watchers will be able to go and buy your books. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.